Thank you and welcome to the Adorable Boy Podcast. It's a great week. Great week for the Adorable Boys. And I'd like to start off with some very good news, some some monumental news. Every week we do every week, every show is monumental. We're we're paving the way. We're 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 making podcasts great again. We take that very seriously. And I think it's important that, you know, we fight the podcast wars. We do the Jocktober to try and help out other broadcasters. I think it's important to celebrate the good. So, this week on Sunday, the Adorable Boys, were, you know, we tweet, we're tweeting. We tweet every once in a while. You know, you want to catch us on Twitter? Tell us what you think of the podcast. It's at Adorable Podcast. So, we were, we were perusing through Twitter, and uh, one of the greatest wrestlers ever, John Cena, I saw one of his his posts, and I don't even remember what it was, but I liked it because it was smart and it was it was what you would expect from John Cena. John Cena is a is an exemplary exemplary person, both in the ring and out of the ring. He's a, he's an actor. He's a wrestler. I I I can't find anyone who says a bad thing about the guy. So I was perusing through Twitter. I liked his status because it was good. Not an hour later, go back on Twitter. Check the notifications, you know, just a normal, it was a normal Sunday. And what do I see but the fact that John Cena had followed the Adorable Boys podcast. Party time. That's what I have to say about that. One of the greatest wrestlers ever. I mean, he's right there on the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. He's Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, John Cena. He carried the WWE for years. For years. Humble guy, great guy, hardworking guy. Legend. And he follows the adorable boys. Now that shows us the movement is working. The 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 the, the, the adorable boys' reputation for magnanimity is spreading far and wide, even to Mr. John Cena. And you might say, Oh, well, he just follows anyone, doesn't he? You know what? I would um I would take issue with that statement because let me look at his stats here. 189.7,000 thousand people that he's following. So he's following a lot of people. But he also has 12.5 million followers. So, and the adorable boys, to John Cena, we, we rate a follow. And we're excited about that. That is, that is a great celebration for us, the adorable boys. Our podcast is working. Our podcast is doing what it's supposed to do. It's bringing people together. It's reaching the elite, and the elite are accepting it. And you know what else it's doing? On the on the other hand, on the converse, it's reaching the people who don't deserve to like it, and they're blocking us. They're surrendering. As I said, Jim Cornette surrendered a while ago. Jim Cornette couldn't handle a few weeks of the Adorable Boy podcast on Twitter. He couldn't handle the onslaught of our podcast war. So what he did was he blocked us on Twitter. And don't worry, we've got the podcast war coming up here. But uh, then, you know, other people are blocking us. Unfortunately, Opie from Opie and Anthony blocked us. But you know what? I think Opie needs to get his head straight. We love Opie. Don't get me wrong. But he, needs to, he needs to get his head straight. And he needs to get on the wagon of the adorable boys. And he will. I have confidence that he will. I think he recognizes greatness. And I think he just needs some time to accept us. So John Cena following the Adorable Boy podcast, a momentous occasion, one that will be celebrated for years to come, because Twitter is life. 
who follows you on Twitter determines if you're a person that is good or not good. And if John Cena follows you, you're good. In some way. So thank you, John, out there. And I, I bet you're listening. I bet you're an adorable boy, Siple. And thank you um, for, for following us on Twitter. It's very nice of you. Very, very magnanimous of you. And I can recognize that because the, our magnanimity is so, uh, you know, legendary. Okay. It's a great way to start off the show. That is a, that is a wonderful way to begin this adorable boy podcast. See, we got Jocktober, uh, Podtober, excuse me, Podtober going. Uh, we did two episodes so far. First one was on uh, a serious satellite radio show called Jim and Sam. And then the second one was also on Jim and Sam, and we're trying to teach them how to be better at broadcasting. The Jim in that equation is Jim Norton, legendary comedian. And, uh, you know, there's nothing we can teach, really teach Jim Norton about bro- broadcasting. His co-host, however, who, you know, is, is more involved, I, not more involved, but probably he has more say in where the show is going. He needs a lot of help. So we're pot, we're doing Podtober to, uh, to help them and help other broadcasters. So that second Podtober, the third Podtober should be out soon. If, if, uh, yeah, actually it was, it came out today. I'm sorry. I, I, I know I taped it. I didn't know we released it. Yeah. So it came out today. Third Podtober next week. We'll get into it again. Who knows who will, who will see. Of course, the third Podtober also features Jim and Sam because they need a lot of help, and we're here to give it to them. They operate. They occupy what was once a legendary time slot. It's first of all, it's morning drive. Second of all, Opie and Anthony used to be on that time slot on that channel. So we're just gonna help them to try to be their best. As a as a and this is different than the podcast war, because this is uh, this is we're trying to help these broadcasters. And and whereas the podcast war is concerned, we're concerning people like Jim Cornette who are probably beyond help. So, yeah, so we got that going. Uh, we got a lot to do today. We're going to talk about the vice presidential debate. They have that uh, this week and talk about the winners and losers and, and all that. And yeah, it's good. We got a lot planned for you. And so we're going to we're going to start it off with the pod. Okay, this week we are taking a a little bit of a different tact with the podcast war. Of course, as you can probably guess, this concerns a Mr. Jim Cornette. And we realize that he, he talks a lot about politics. And boy, does he not like Donald Trump. Oh my goodness, he's so edgy with his opinions. He thinks Trump is a bad guy and he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's a fat old man with orange hair. That's a that's a that's a, a an opinion that is that is unique to Jim Cornette because he's a, he's a unique guy, isn't he, Jim Cornette? So he gets on his podcast a lot of times, and he uh, he just voices his opinion, his his very well thought out opinion, and not colored by his blind hatred and and the fact that he's a very bitter human being. His opinion of Trump or any uh, anyone else is not colored by that at all. He's not jealous of of say Kenny Omega, or Chris Jericho, or or any of the young bucks or anyone at AEW or anyone in wrestling. The, you know the people that he's constantly putting down. He's not jealous of them. He's just so much smarter than them. Though he hasn't reached you know the 
the popularity or the or the claim that most of them have. He's just plain smarter than them. He's smarter than Vince McMahon. He's smarter than the cons who own AEW. He's smarter than Cody Rhodes. He is smarter than Chris Jericho. He's smarter than everyone. And his co-host is not afraid to tell him that. Oh, no. His co-host, he tells him the truth, but yet the truth is always in agreement with Mr. Cornette. So I decided this week we should, we should spread some of, of Cornette's expert opinion on politics and Donald Trump and all these different things. So I'm going to play a few clips, and um, I just hope you understand the genius that is Mr. Cornette. And I hope that you realize how, how great he is. So, okay, I have one clip here, the first one. So, and just this comes in at a weird time because of the recording. So he's talking about Mike Pence going, this is from 2018. It's, it's on his uh, YouTube channel. He's talking about Mike Pence going to an NRA convention and there being no guns allowed there. And I guess he thinks this is a hot take. This is a, a clever thing to talk about. But I mean, he, and what he's saying is that the, they don't care about anyone else but Mike Pence not getting shot. So they don't like guns there. But when Mike Pence isn't there, there's guns allowed. And my response to that would, would be that there are a lot of people out there who'd want to kill the vice president. That's just the truth. So that's why they don't. I don't understand why this concept escapes Jim Cornette. But apparently it does. And, but his co-host agrees with him. So this starts off, and uh, he's, what you're not going to hear is he's going to say his first words are going to be, if this, and if this is cut out, and then it goes on to say Hollywood movie. So I've said, if this was a Hollywood movie, and then he goes on with this. So I'm going to play it. The Hollywood movie. Then some bad guy with a gun would shoot the vice president, but then a good guy who smuggled a gun in would shoot the bad guy and they'd both end up dead. And the, and the guy who shot the bad guy would become the new vice president. No, 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 no. The guy comes in, kills all the secret service agents. So now it's just the vice president and him. And then it turns into like a bizarre midnight run kind of buddy. For so anyway, so I, and I, once again, and I want, by the way, I know the NRA, I know our friends, the Loches, Dana, Dana Loesch and her husband, Snidely Whiplash. Uh, they're, they're fans of the program. They listen every week. Uh, I know that because, you know, obviously we've talked about them in the past. So if they can pass any of this on to any of their friends, I'm going to talk about their friends for the next couple minutes. But anyway, uh, Mike. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, uh, really funny thing. Your co-host just said the second voice was his co-host who's. Somehow, as an uninformed as Jim Cornette, or he's just sycophantic. I don't know. What? What? A, what I don't even. Where, where's the entertainment in what he just said? I mean, it was long. It was convoluted. He stuttered, and of course, everyone stutters sometimes. But I mean, be a professional broadcaster, Jim, and you know, say something funny, maybe, maybe something entertaining. Not oh well, if this was a Hollywood movie, he would get shot, and then they would get shot, and then and then everyone would be shot. Whoa. And then your co-host says, Oh, yeah, Jim. I really agree with you on everything. Nah. This is kowtowing at its worst. Ugh, this Jim Cornette podcast. I would say it's a bane of our existence, but it really doesn't matter. I could just ignore it, and it would never affect me. But I'm not doing that because I need to call it out. I need to put it in the light. Even though it's too little to affect me, it might affect other podcasts out there. And I'm fighting for all of podcasting. We are fighting for all of podcasting, the adorable boys. And hopefully the other two will return home soon. Hashtag bring them home. 
But anyway, that was uh, the first clip, and and you it just it just sets up his 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 idiocy and the podcast idiocy. Of of it doesn't make sense. It's not funny. It's not thought provoking. It's not helpful. It's nothing. It's it's the equivalent of, of it's the nutritional equivalent of cotton candy. Except for it doesn't taste good. It, it'd be like if someone made cotton can mildew flavored cotton candy. That's the Jim Cornette podcast. Mildew flavored cotton candy. We're sick of this, Jim. We're sick of your kowtowing. We gave you an opportunity to officially surrender to us. Admit our podcast dominance. You wouldn't do it. You already surrendered by blocking us on Twitter. And in case you were wondering, yes, John Cena is following us. Because he recognizes a good, wholesome American podcast that is standing for what is right. How long do you think you can podcast, Jim? And kowtow. How long do you think you can, you can do it? Especially now that we're putting the screws to you. We're putting the screws to you, Jimbo. So take that. All right. All right, now he goes into talking. I mean, this is from the same video, but he just rambles and his co-host agrees with his ramblings, obviously. You know what makes a great podcast? When, when the other person completely agrees every single time. That's a great podcast. Anyway, he goes on to talk about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Now, this is from 2018 when she was still um, the, uh, you know, the press secretary for, the, for Trump in the White House. So... I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to let you listen to this, but I just I'm not going to give any other words words. I'm not I'm not trying to hit someone low. I'm just going to say that, Jim, everyone could easily Google you and your family and see things they could see, you know, stuff that is online, you know, not not extremely personal stuff, but just, you know, pictures and, and all that kind of stuff. They can easily Google the Cornets. And just look at pictures. The casual fan, you know what I'm saying? So I just want to start off with that. Okay, now here he, uh, oh, and he, oh my goodness. He gives Sarah Sarah Huckleberry Sanders such a funny name. It's so funny. It's, it's, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. I shouldn't play this because it's actually, you know, it's going to, it's going to turn people on to your podcast. You think that's true, Jim? You think if this is any good, I'd be playing it and, and giving people another podcast option? Yeah. All right, here goes the clip. Sarah Huckleberry Sanders, you are the love child of Uncle Fester and Demi Lovato. She didn't say that you're the perfect blend of Wednesday and Pugsley Adams. She did. <laughs> think about this now. Wow, did you hear that laugh from his co-host? That is completely real and genuine. He didn't put that on at all. No. He really thinks that Jim Cornette is that funny. Huckleberry Sanders. Can you? Her name is Huckabee. Jim Cornette says Huckleberry. Funny. Comedy. Oh, my gosh. Huckleberry. That's the best you can do, Jim. Come on. You're, you're, you're attacking these people because you hate them. You're not, you know, good humor comes from a place where, yeah, you could, you could call out um, the things about a person. But, but you don't necessarily hate them. When you hate them, when you allow yourself to hate them, then that destroys the humor. You're not funny anymore because you're really, your main goal, because hate is such a strong emotion, your main goal is to destroy them, not to be funny. So Sarah Huckleberry Sanders, aren't I funny? Aren't I a funny guy come from Kentucky? From Kentucky? Don't I just love kayfabe? I'm talking politics. 
I fell off the turnip truck and I'm talking politics. Goodness gracious, Jim. Ugh. And remember, you know, you, you, you called there, what would you call it? Oh, the, you know what I love? You know what is the epitome of comedy? When someone says someone is the love child of one thing and another, one person and another person. That is so funny. Jim, you're so funny. Like, wow. And again, I just want to remind everyone, and you, Jim, you can Google image people. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. And sometimes when you Google image someone, I don't know, say Jim Cornette, you might see someone with him that isn't quite as good looking as Sarah Huckabee. Huck, <laughs> you got me doing it, Jim. I guess it worked, huh? Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I'm just saying, I'm not going any further than that. But, you know, you're going to get on, you're going to make fun of someone's looks. That woman has a family, that woman has a husband, that woman has a mom, kids. And you're going to go on and make fun of her looks, you just better be ready for it. For anything. And I'm not even saying anything, but you better be ready for things there, Jim. And now, Jim continues his attack, I mean, his brutal and funny, or not funny, attack on Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I'll play this clip, and then we will talk about it. Because here's the thing, and, and now everybody's going to go, now Cornette is a sexist, and, and he's going to be horrible, he's going to talk about this woman's appearance. I've named her in the past the hard-on assassinator. She is the most unappealing human being, not female, she is the most unappealing human being walking the face of this fucking planet. Okay, so let's, uh, and you know what, when you call something out, then people can't do it. So he says, oh, people are going to call me sexist, so then no one can call you sexist. Then you aren't sexist, right, Jim? No, you're a, you're, a, you're a great liberal. You're not racist or sexist or anything like that. Or transphobic or homophobic. Um, and apparently, to Jim Cornette, and this is what this sounds like, that women should all, women should all be evaluated on how they look. I don't know why, how a, a White House press secretary, I don't know why her looks matter to the country. I don't think, I mean, would you evaluate a man on his looks if he, if he wasn't the best looking guy? Which I'm not saying anything like that. Um, would, would you, no, it seems like you just think that women are there for men, for you to ogle. Is that true, Jim? I, I don't know. I'm asking. That's what those comments would lead me to believe. And Jim, you know, you're, you're, you really don't, you really don't have a side because obviously the right doesn't like you because you're far left and the far left doesn't like you because they think you're racist and sexist. So I don't know where you're trying to fit in here, but it's not working. Uh, so let's see what else Jim Cornette has to say about women and uh, I guess what he thinks they're good for. I would rather a, a, a an albino porcupine with leprosy than have sexual congress with Sarah Huckleberry Sanders. And it's not because just it's not just physical. Like you, you said, there's no harm in shaming bad people. Well, here's the thing. It's not just what makes her ugly. Uh, Jim, I, I don't ever recall sarah huckabee sanders maybe she reached out to you privately i don't ever recall her wanting to be with you in any way physically um so i don't know what that has to do with anything would you say that about you know let's see uh mike P mike pence the vice president would you say you would rather oh and by the way uh, an albino whatever you said so funny it's so funny when you just take random things and put them in there oh my gosh jim comedy thy name is cornette I gotta say. But anyway, would you evaluate a man like that? No, you wouldn't. So, I mean, are, are women just here for you to evaluate and, and say whether they're good looking or not? They're not, you know, they're not, they don't have skills, they don't have talents. Is that what you're saying, Jim? The adorable boys would never say that. No, we wouldn't.
All right, let's play some more sexism here. What makes her so ugly she looked like she fell out of an ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down? What makes her look just less attractive than a mud fence is her personality and her soul and her heart. You would know, huh, Jim? Your personality. You got a great one, don't you? Yelling at people and telling them how much you hate them all day on your podcast. That's good. Talking about, you know, things that happened 30 years ago. Who cares about a, a match in Georgia 40 years ago when you got mad at someone? Who cares? No one cares. And, and you know, who are you to evaluate anyone's looks? You know? I, I, oh, but you know what is funny? Fell out of the ugly, ugly tree and hit every branch? That is so funny, Jim. But remember, there is Google Images. But anyway, that that's so funny and original. It's original. You're original, Jim. You're the genuine article. We were wrong, Jim. You. You were right. I think that's enough of this because your sexism is really bringing the Adorable Boy podcast down. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, Jim Cornette on his podcast talking about politics. We should, I'm, there may be a part two of this next week. And also, we got to get him back for the fake interview that we started last, uh, two weeks ago. So we got a lot of uh, material for the podcast war here. But Jim Cornette talking about politics, just, div- I mean, he doesn't really talk about politics. He talks about how ugly he thinks a woman is. And he talks about how she's, oh, but it was so funny. Like she's a love child between Demi Lovato and Uncle Fester. Oh my gosh, Jim. So funny. You're so funny, Jim. Your podcast. And I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to sh- shoot you straight here, Jim. No more sarcasm. Your podcast, in my opinion, is awful. It's, it's uglier than a mud fence, as you would say. And I'm talking about your podcast. And your co-host is complicit in your kowtowing. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he does. But I know that he's helping you kowtow. And he also agrees with everything you say. And then la- really, you know, really puts on the laughter. I guess he's, he must not have much of a career. I don't know. But he must not have much of a career if he has to suck up to you so much. So... There's a podcast war for you guys this week. Jim, do you think we're going to give you a rest next week? No, we're going to keep coming. We're going to keep coming with the onslaught. So get ready. The Adorable Boy Podcast at Adorable Adorable Podcast on Twitter. At Adorable Podcast on Instagram. Keep downloading Podtober, guys. Thank you for that. Get that on podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And... Facebook, The Adorable Boy Podcast. We will be back after these words. Now, a very special look at this week's suspenseful cop show. Former gangster tries to use his connections to solve a crime in the community. Man, you ain't one of us anymore. You're a cop now. I say, old chap, I'm just as much of a gangster as I ever was. Oh yeah? We're gonna test your loyalty. Next couple you see, you gotta rob them. Unhand me, you ruffian! Excuse me, sir, madam. I find myself in a terrible predicament. See, I'm a police officer who is from the neighborhood, but I've lost my connection to my former cohorts. They no longer seem to respect me. If you would let me happy slap you, it would both satisfy their bloodlust and save my life. Of course, I will return everything I steal. 
Leave us alone, street tough. Oh, bollocks. I seem to have run afoul of my homies for the last time. Suspenseful Cop Show. What else are you going to watch? Hey, this is the Dice Man, and you're listening to the Adorable Boy Podcast. Oh, he needed the money. All right, thank you, Dice. We are back here on the Adorable Boy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, hope you're enjoying the Podtober. We've been talking about it. I, I was pretty proud of that uh, that uh, Podcast War segment we just did. I think I, I really got got out what I wanted to say, you know. When you when you're a broadcaster, you know sometimes you you feel like you didn't get your point across well enough. But I think this week I did, and I think I do most weeks. But you know I'm trying to be humble here. Okay, uh, this is an interesting thing. I I'm not. I have a, a CD here in front of me. It was dropped off to the station to the adorable boy tower. Frank and Beans has heard has listened to it. I have not. I don't know who it's from. I don't know what it is. But apparently it was sent here to us. And Frankenbeans, the producer, said I should listen to it, so I'm going to listen to it. Uh, I'm completely blind on this one, de- or deaf, I should say. And we're just going to see what it is. Just going to see what it is, and um, I don't know. Well, I guess I'll react to it. All right. I'm going to put it in, and I'm going to play it. Here we go. This one's for you, Spud. I don't want to fight anymore. I just want to be friends. More than friends. Best friends. And even more than that. Look into my eyes. Spud will see just what he means to me. Search your heart, Spud. Search your soul, Spud. And when you find me there, but we'll search no more Don't tell me But it's not worth trying for You can't tell me But it's not worth dying for You know it's true Everything I do I do it for fun Bud, don't reject me. It would be a big mistake. I want to be more than friends. I'm not the leader of the unthinking mob anymore. I'm your biggest fan. Okay, uh, that was creepy and scary. Uh, Frank and Beans, can you come in here, please? I don't know why he wouldn't be here. You gotta, oh, here it comes through the door. You gotta anticipate the needs of the show, Frank and Beans. I know you can't work a, a microphone, but... You somehow got, you just have to anticipate the needs of the show. Okay, so you said someone dropped, well, again, let me remind the audience, Frank and Beans is our producer, but he doesn't know how to work a microphone. Um, And right, I think he has gum in his hair today. He's not the smartest person. You know how stupid producers are, so shouldn't be surprised. But we keep him around. Anyway, uh, Frank and Beans, did someone drop this off? Did they, or did it come in the mail? Okay, someone dropped it off. Did you see the person? Okay, really? So, I mean, that was probably 
I mean, th- that was obviously from the leader of the unthinking mob, right? So, I mean, he might have even brought it, or she. Was it a man or a woman? You don't know. Uh, th- was uh, Goodness gracious. Was the person more like your mom or more like your dad? Neither. They didn't look any... Uh, I know I know she didn't look... The person didn't look like your parents, but... But if you had to say it was... The person was more like either your mom or your dad, which one would it be? Okay, this is going nowhere. Could you, like, describe the person? Or... Okay, hair and eyes. Okay. Um, oh, producers are so stupid. Radio producers are so stupid, and, and so are podcast ones. I just, I wish you could have, again, this is almost pretty much the same thing, anticipating the needs. This person has been calling us up for months. Don't you think we'd like to know who this person is? Didn't cross your mind, huh? Okay. Well, I, you know what? I got ahead of myself. Let me explain to the uh, the new newcomers who this person is. Now, that, that song you just heard was sent to us by the uh, leader of the Unthinking Mob. And the leader of the Unthinking Mob uh, called us up for about a month or two and always threatened us. And always, I, I could tell that the person was unhealthily obsessed. And as you can tell in that song, their voice is disguised, so we don't know if they're man or woman. So that this person was unhealthily obsessed and they would call every week and and they told us that they got a judge to declare us racist and as a result we had to let them come on our podcast and 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 talk for every week um you know in hindsight which is you know as they say 2020 i never got any legal like they just said that they had the trial and and we were found guilty and and what our punishment was but here's some advice that i've learned here's some a tip that i've just learned if if there's a legal proceeding against you, you should, one, you should be notified. And two, there should be some kind of record of, of, of the findings and the charges and all of that. And it shouldn't happen in two weeks, which all of, you know, that did happen to us. But, you know, you live and learn. I don't know how the legal system works. I'm a shock jock. So anyway, I let this guy call in for weeks and weeks. Uh, I even kind of liked it because it showed how stupid he was or she. Uh, and then just to, uh, then I got sick of it because it was just getting boring. You, how long are you going to do that for? So, uh, podcast war, by the way, uh, the beginning of this show. Hope you enjoy it. So, I just stopped them from calling, and I said, "Fine, whatever." Get they kept threatening that they'd get me with the judge, and I said, "Fine, get the judge on me, whatever." So then they just stopped calling, and they didn't call last week. I don't think they called the week before, and now I guess this song tells me that he's in love with me, and he's denounced the um, unthinking mob. And this is all very... And that sounded threatening to me. But and I got a bodyguard, so I'm all right. Don't don't worry about old Spud. He, he'll be all right. He can take care of himself. Uh, we got great security here at the Adorable Boy Towers. It's just really weird that this person would, would do this. I mean, they're very mentally unstable because they spent months and months hating me and all the Adorable Boys. Even though... Two of the adorable boys are, are lost somewhere on, on this globe. We will bring them back. Hashtag bring them home. Um, I don't know. It's just weird to me. So it is a little creepy, but we're going to we're going to be OK. Wow. OK. Uh, 
I want to get into something else that I've uh, that's been on my mind. Anyone who uh, who knows me knows that uh, I like to read, and I like to read a, a lot of different stuff. And one author who who I like uh, goes by the name of Ayn Rand. It's A Y N Rand. Now you might have heard of her before, and if you did, you probably you probably heard of her in a negative light. A lot of people like to paint her as as bad and and, and all that. Um, Ayn Rand. Uh, her most famous book is called Atlas Shrugged. Great book. Very good book. In my opinion, not her best. I believe that her best was a, uh, a kind of a semi-autobiographical work. It was a first novel called We the Living. Great, great book. I love it. But she wrote that and The Fountainhead, which I also wrote, uh, read and I loved. And um, Anthem. It was kind of a shorter novel. Really good. And uh, then she wrote a lot of nonfiction stuff. And a lot the nonfiction stuff dealt with her philosophy, which she called objectivism. Um, basically, what you need to know, I won't get into the whole thing. It can get complicated. Uh, objectivism says that the moral way for a man to live is to seek his rational best interest and not infringe upon the rights of others in doing so. Basically, what America was founded on. And a lot of people don't like that. Uh, and one of the th- reasons I don't like it, because she has a, a, a favorable view of the word selfish. She thinks being selfish is good. It's morally right to act in your own best interest without hurting other people. Um, and, and, you know, I agree. I, but People just get caught up on the word selfish and they automatically think it's negative. But I would think that that, that would be greed, the negative aspect of that. But everyone thinks of themselves first. And whether they admit it or not, they, they do in almost every situation. It's it's very rare that you'll find a, a selfless individual. And when you do, they're usually not all that happy because they're being used. Anyway, um, I'm a big fan of her work and the philosophy too. Now, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an objectivist for a few reasons. I disagree with a couple of big parts of their philosophy. The first part I disagree with, they, they explain that there is no God. And I disagree with that. I, I do believe there's a God. I am a theist. And I'll tell you, here's why... You can you can you can say you're you're atheist, but if you're basing it on science, you know you could base it on your own philosophy, and that's fine. But if you're basing it on science, you really could only ever say that you're agnostic, because. And and I read this point in a book a long time ago. Um, I wish I could remember the name, but I don't. But the point it was written by the guy who was like the head of the Human Genome Project. So, you want to look that up and find his books. I think it was called Language of God, actually. But anyway, in the book he says, and I and I, I agree with this. He says that that if God does exist, anyone, even an atheist, would would admit that if he does exist, he's supernatural. He's above the laws of nature. He created the laws of nature. He he's not subject to them. He created them. Now science is our our method. It's a tool, and this really I want you to pay attention to this point very carefully, because. Most people lose this. Science isn't some kind of being. Science isn't, isn't you know, the. it's not what most people make it out to be. Science is a tool for us to try to find the truth. And that could, our, our perception can change. You know, there was a time in history when people thought the atom was the smallest particle and then they found all the sub, subatomic particles. There was a time in history where people thought the earth was flat where the, the sun revolved around the earth and, and a whole bunch of other scientific 
you know, principles, the cell theory, huge changes throughout the years. Reproduction, huge changes. Doesn't mean that the the method of reproduction changed or the method of, of how cells reproduce and how they're built changed. It means our understanding changed and we had more evidence to say, no, a cell is mostly open space. It isn't dense. Not a cell, a uh, an atom. It's mostly open space. It isn't dense. You know, when we found these things out, that changed the way we looked at it, right? So that's what we use science for. There is no science because science tells us about the natural world. It can't go supernatural because that's, you know, it, it just can't. It's outside of, of, of science's, uh, you know, view. So you can't use science to prove there's no God. Because if God does exist, which I think he does, and if he does, he's above science. He, he, he can't be observed in science. He's supernatural. Science observes the natural world. God is supernatural. So then you can't say, I'm using science and I prove that, that there is no God. Just as you can't say, I'm using science and I prove that there is a God. That's faith. Think believing there's a God is faith. And really, believing that there's no God is kind of a faith too, really. Because you're not basing it on science because of what I just said. So that's one where, place where I, I part ways with the objectivists. I also part ways on the abortion issue. Um, and, and one of the notable objectivists, he works at the Ayn Rand Institute, I believe. Or he used to, at least. He's a, he's a brilliant economist. His name is Yaron Brook. He's uh he has he has a I don't know if you'd call it a podcast or what it is, but he has a a show that comes on YouTube and he talks about things. Brilliant, brilliant man. Uh I love listening to a show I have for a while now. Uh he says and actually I don't know I, I've heard him commented on it in passing. I never actually watched a video where he um you know directly addresses the the entire subject of abortion. But he says, and I've heard him say this that you know, science has proven that when a baby that that up to a certain point, it's just a cluster of cells, and it's it's wrong for anyone to impose uh, someone having a baby if they don't want to. So here's my uh, issue with that. Now he says it's and he says it's morally wrong for the government to force you to have a baby. And you know what? I might agree on that, even though I I wholeheartedly believe it's murder. We are at a point in this debate where the government isn't going to fix it. They overturn Roe v. Wade. They they strengthen Roe v. Wade. It doesn't matter. And and in my opinion, pro life people should really shift their attention away from from the legal battle because they're never going to win it. And even if they do win it, it was so far past any good, um, you know, resolution. This is, it would just be a disaster. So I say leave the government out of it. That's my opinion. And and yes, I do believe it's murder, but this is a, a separate case. And I believe, and objectivists don't believe it's murder, but kind of going off on a tangent here, I believe the way to solve this abortion problem for, for pro-life people is to work to ensure that all lives are valued. We're, very, we're definitely a society that has lost the value on human life. We still value it, but but not as much as, as we should, in my opinion. And that goes for, and, and really, it's, it's especially when someone is inconvenient. An, an older family member, a baby can be, you know, they take effort to take care of. That's a sacrifice. That's an, oh, an objectivist. They don't like the word sacrifice. Um, 
it is a sacrifice for for parents to take care of babies or or any life. So we need to every single life we need to put the importance that it is of, of what an amazing thing a life is, and the fact that we shouldn't infringe upon someone's right to their life and happiness, and ability to pursue what they want to pursue. So we need to we need to, and it's it, it's not going to take, you know it's it's not going to be quick. It isn't. It's going to be a slow, arduous thing, and maybe in a hundred years. They'll value life more than they do now, and not that not, and they won't not get abortions because the government doesn't allow them to. They won't get abortions because they realize that's a life inside of them, and the potential for that life. Even if they don't, even if they never uh, accomplish anything serious in, in the in their lifetime, the life is what matters. It doesn't matter what they go on to do. <clears throat> so, yes, while I while I think. Abortion is murder. I don't think making it illegal will solve anything. And, you know, that's kind of almost the easy way, the hard way, and more rewarding way, is to 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 value life in all forms. And that's animals, too. Do we, do we respect all animals? No, we don't. And I'm, you know, complicit in this. I have my pets and, and all that, but, I mean, every life, every life matters. Well, I'm not saying you don't have to, I'm not a vegetarian, but there should be some sort of respect for every life, no matter what, no matter what. And I think the more we respect life, the better off we'll be as a human race. End of story. But that's whether you believe in God or not. People, if, if people were more reluctant to take lives or, or ruin lives or whatever, then we'd be better off. So anyway, back to the objectivists. I, I, I see a lot of the groups online and, and, and I, I don't really, I don't post in any of them, but I observe them. And it's worrisome with the objectivists, and I'll tell you why. Ayn Rand was against cults because cults are, are mindless. Cults are follow the leader. Don't think, follow the leader. And, and objectivism, if there's one thing you can say about it, 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 it is absolutely empowering to the individual. And that's why I think it's so worthy to be studied, because it is. We need more of that. We need everyone to, to again, value life, value themselves. That's, that's especially important, because if you don't value yourself, you're not going to value anything else. Not really. That's a kind of a cliche, but it's true. So the, the objectivists online, they get into these arguments, and I'll tell you, from what I've seen, and they're not like, I'm not talking about the upper... You know, the people that work for the Ayn Rand Institute or any of the big time objectivists. I'm talking about just people online. I think they're misunderstanding objectivism. And they're getting to this point where it's like they say they say what they say is the truth. And there's no room for you to argue with them. Even though they're not qualified and they're not even no one, even someone who is qualified can't tell you this is the absolute truth no matter what. Objectivists, but one of the big tenets of of objectivism is the this phrase A is A. And that means no matter what, the truth is the truth. A, the letter A, is the letter A. It doesn't matter whether you call it B or C or sunshine or marshmallows. A is A. And that's the truth. There is a truth. But there's no reason why I have to trust these anonymous online people. Not even, not all anonymous, but what these online people and what they say the truth is. I have my own intellect, my own way of, of evaluating things, 
And if I say, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that's the truth. And then they'll, I mean, they, they come at you and tell you, oh, you're not an objectivist, which to me doesn't matter because I'm not an objectivist. But it just seems it's, I, I like objectivism and I think it's useful and I don't want to see it go, go, go down a bad road. Um, so th- that's, that, that's just what I wanted to talk about. I observed that this week and I think objectivism needs to be saved and, and studied and it's got to be, you know, if you can, if you can absolutely prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is the truth with all the information we have available right now. This is the truth of any particular situation. That's one thing. But to say your opinion and say, well, Ayn Rand said this and, and blah, blah, blah. It's not enough, especially if I have a good argument against it. So I, I just don't want to see them devolve into into a cult. You know, I, I want I what I want is people to, to study objectivism. And to take out the good things in it. Because there are a lot of good things in it, in my opinion. Um, and I think the more we embrace objectivism with some of the, the, the principles, the better off we'll be again. You know, that's my opinion. Uh, and, and the abortion artic- uh, argument is one of the big things with these people. Because they say, absolutely not. Science is proven. They always say science has proven. Science is proven. Science is a tool. Anyway, they say science has proven it's not a baby until this arbitrary date or that arbitrary date. Now, since when does science set arbitrary dates? It, it is it is every every piece of DNA that the baby's going to have is in it from the beginning, from the union of sperm and egg. So to say that that's not that you can pick a time when it crosses the the the, the threshold from. Baby to not baby. And I don't know what, say, Yaron Brooks' actual opinion on this is, but, you know, is it not a baby still? Is it not a human being two minutes before it's born? Does crossing out of the birth canal, is that what makes it a human being? That doesn't make any sense. Because it is the same exact being a minute later as it was when it was in, in the womb. So then where, where, go back, where is it? Where is it not a human? I mean, the sensible argument to me is that the cascade of events starts with the union of the sperm and the egg. And if I don't know why, how you can say that that isn't a human from there. But that's, you know, that's their opinion. And that's an opinion where they would say, no, no, you're wrong. Absolutely not. This is the truth. And they don't know the truth of that situation. They don't know the truth of a lot of situations. Yet they'll argue as if they do. And that's cultish. And some of them will even defend it as a cult. They'll say, well, you kind of have to think of it as a cult. No. Ayn Rand would be furious at that. And I don't know her. And, well, she's been dead since the 80s. But I imagine from what I do know of her, from her books that I've read and, and her philosophy, I, she wouldn't want that. So there's my uh, my take on objectivism and where it is, the state of it today. Objectivism is important to me because I'm, I've, I've been very much influenced by it. Though they wouldn't want me to count me as one of their ranks because of my religious beliefs. Which is totally their right. That's fine to me. And why would I want to be a part of a group that doesn't want me to be a part of them? But that doesn't mean that I can't study them and, and realize that the, the true nuggets of, of truth within it. And there are a lot of them. So if Yaron Brook wants to come on, talk objectivism, talk abortion, I'd love to have him on. 
brilliant man. He's he's you know I disagree with him in a lot of ways. He's still brilliant. I listen to his show a lot. He he bashes Trump a lot, which is fine, but you know I don't know I don't know. It's just he's kind of Trump is kind of a way to get ratings. So whatever. So that's my take on objectivism. All right, we are uh, we're gonna take a break. Thank you for joining us on the Adorable Boy Podcast. We are all over the internet, all over it. We are all encompassing on the internet. We got AOL keyword Adorable Boy. We have an at Adorable Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We have the the Adorable Boy Podcast on Facebook, and we're on locals and. You can download the i the uh, podcast on Apple iTunes or whatever Apple Podcasts, whatever they changed it to, uh, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. All right, we're gonna well, we got a few more things to do, including the news. Uh, the Adorable Boy Podcast will be back after this. You're probably expecting a commercial here. Well, we're all out of ideas. Brought to you by the Committee for the Creatively Bankrupt. Hello, this is Mel Gibson. And when I'm not making tapes, I listen to the Adorable Boy Podcast. I, another shrimp on the barbie. Okay, thank you, Mel. And thank you to our sponsors. We love you. We're... We appreciate you. All right. It is time uh, for the news. We're talking news. We're not talking World War Three blues. We're talking news. Quite a bit went on this week. Uh, we had the vice presidential debate. A um, little less interrupting, but still interrupting. Uh, of course, every news agency has a has a different um, opinion of who won, who lost. Uh I would the adorable boy's opinion, and again, we don't get political. We're given an unbiased opinion because we can, because that's how we roll. I uh, I would say Pence won. I mean, it was it was it was more of the same thing. Kind of Biden did a lot of the ways, which you know we're gonna we're gonna get jobs, and we're gonna get unity, and and all that stuff. And and the really big thing that Pence did that won it was he, you know, uh, he he specifically asked her. A few questions that she just wouldn't answer. And then also, she said um, she wouldn't ban fracking, but there's video of her in Democratic primary saying she would. So Democrats have to figure out a way to explain that. And they've tried, and it's you know as ridiculous as, as it always is. But uh, the, the, the question he asked her that she didn't answer specifically was, would they pack the Supreme Court? And... She she just wouldn't answer. I I don't remember exactly the answer she gave, but she didn't. He she he asked it once, and she didn't answer. And then he asked it again, and she started talking about how the court doesn't have diversity on it, which wasn't you know, and actually all night both of them kind of answered different questions than the moderator asked, which was weird. But um, I mean you can kind of tell the Pence actually won, even though the, all the liberal websites are saying that that Kamala Harris killed him. Um, you can tell Pence won because all they're focusing on is that fly that was on his head. If they had something better, they would. But Pence is a, is a measured man. In contrast to Trump, he he effectively communicated 
the party's ideals and ideas and he um and he did it he didn't seem as as abrasive as Trump because he's not as an abrasive of, of a person so it looked really good for their campaign Pence really uh, helped them out whether you're happy about that or not uh what else was there, there was um oh the the tax cuts too I think Pence beat her on that because she kept saying you know the, no one will in, get increased taxes who makes under 400,000 I think it is but Pence was saying but she said she would com- that Biden would completely repeal the uh Trump tax cuts and Pence was making the point that regular families get about $4,000 a year because of those tax cuts and they'll be taking that away and Kamala just didn't kind of answer or Kamala I guess is how she pronounces it Kamala just didn't answer really I mean it was it was a whole thing of one person making an accusation, the other person saying it's a lie, and then no answer. So, which I guess is kind of the debate forum. The um, the moderator kind of kept control, I guess. She Pence went over a lot, and she tried to stop him. But I mean, he just kind of did what he he didn't look weak. He was perfect. He didn't look weak, but he wasn't abrasive. And of course, people on the left will say he was abrasive, and people on the right will say he wasn't. But really, he wasn't. He, and maybe that's just in contrast to Trump. Maybe if it wasn't for Trump's performance in the last debate, um, you know, people wouldn't. I mean, that's what we're comparing it to, and it's, and we know where it's where Pence's performance stands against that. So yeah, the Supreme Court thing was bad for her, and you know, it, it's just strategy. It's the Democrats have. It's not really even her fault. The Democrats have put themselves in a position where they have to answer that question, and either way they answer, people are going to be mad. Um, I mean, but it seems clear to me what will happen here that if Biden does get elected, which I don't think he will, but if he does, he's going to be influenced to go further left. I mean, and I said it last week, and I think it's just I, I need to reiterate: he'll get in. And then the far left will say, "You're not good enough. You're not left enough." And he'll keep pushing left. And the Republicans will get mad, mad at him, and, and all that will happen. But I honestly don't think he'll win. I think Trump and Pence will win. And uh, you know, he's not—he's not a great nominee, Biden. He just isn't. And when you have like Tulsi Gabbard is out there giving reasonable opinions on things and looking very good at it, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Why not her?" But then again, she's also getting attacked from the left because they don't want someone to look better than Biden, because Biden is the one they went with. For unknown reasons, so that's that was the debate. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a you know a, a, a pivotal moment in the in the in the era of of you know gender equality. Nor should it have been. I mean, I don't care whether the vice president or president is a man or a woman. I wish we could just stay on the on the on the topic, and yes. There is gender inequality, and there are there are atrocities every day, philosophical, physical, all kinds of atrocities that result from that gender equality. But if you're going to be vice president, you're going to need to to overcome that. You're going to need to transcend it, really, to where it's not even uh, to where it's just it's dismissed, and that's where the real gender equality will come in. And and we need a. We need we need someone who can who can overcome that and make it almost a non-issue, even though it is an issue. They can make it seem like a non-issue, and Kamala Harris isn't the one to do that. She just isn't. I just I I, I 
I question why they picked her. I question why they picked Biden. Both of them with, with such records of, of keeping people incarcerated. That's a pretty important thing, I think. They're fighting on the equality, you know, ticket. But but uh, both of them have done a lot in their careers to put people away. Maybe people that didn't need to go away. Maybe people that could have been rehabilitated. But we don't hear that. So I, I think, and this has been my feeling from all, all along, I think Trump is a calculated man, very strategic, and he has a plan for how he's going to go through each debate. And I think next debate we'll see something a little different, and, and he just keeps, he, people are getting so mad at him that he can outsmart them, and the entire campaign can outsmart them. It makes it easy because they're acting emotionally. And Trump isn't acting emotionally. Trump is calculated. Pence is calculated. You could see on the, on the stage. And uh, yeah, and I I don't I didn't look into this, but Pence said that because the the climate change obviously was another big issue, and us pulling out of the the uh, Paris Accords, and Pence said that we've reduced carbon emissions more than any other country that's still in the Accords. And I would like I don't know if that's true or not, but it's interesting. It could be true. I'm not saying it isn't. That's interesting. And and I wish, I mean, I imagine if it wasn't true that she would have come back at him about that. And maybe we should look at that. And maybe the Paris Accord, I don't know it in detail, but if we're achieving what they're trying to achieve, but better, maybe we should look at them and and, and realize that maybe that wasn't such a good thing. But I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's not true. And of course, you'll get a million answers from each side. I just, I would like to see the truth. Maybe I'll research it. I am pretty intelligent, very successful, very successful radio person, now podcast person. So... I'll look into that. I also saw another story from England. Uh, we're kind of going off uh, from the presidential thing. We're going into more of a, uh, I would say funny, because it is funny. It's unfortunate too, but it's funny. But I'm going to you know, give you my opinion. So uh, there's a, 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 a footage of a pizza delivery guy in England. Uh, could you imagine what pizza tastes like in England? I've never been to England. I've been to Europe, but I've never been to England. Can you imagine that it's probably soggy? Like, the cheese is white, and I don't know. It probably tastes like – I'm sure they, they pour tea on it because don't they pour tea on everything? I think they do in England. But can you? I, I can't imagine eating pizza in, in England. So anyway, I guess they have Domino's over there, which who knew? And there's a foot, this footage, video footage of a, a delivery guy. Uh, he, I guess you can order also order ice cream at McDonald's in England. And, and there's footage of a delivery guy taking a, a Ben & Jerry's pint and rubbing it on his crotch. And then and then delivering it, uh, and I'm not I'm not 100 sure whether the people saw that footage before or that maybe it's something they saw after and they ate it. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't. Well, I mean, you know, most likely. It, I mean, it's not the sanitary thing to do to rub ice cream on your crotch, but it probably didn't leave them with any ill health effects. I would I wouldn't think it could, but I don't. It probably didn't. Uh, one wonders. I mean, I, I've. You know what, Spud, he worked himself up from the bottom, and he used to deliver food. And even if I was mad at someone, it would never have occurred to me to rub something in my crotch. Maybe it should have. You know, I mean, if I go to a place and and they, you know, not that this ever happened, but if it did, if they, like, verbally abused me, could you blame me for, for wanting to get back at them? But it would never have occurred to me to rub ice cream on my crotch, you know, in a pint. Um... 
And, and why are they selling ice cream at Domino's anyway? That's weird. I'm taking that. I'm taking that stance. I'm taking that that controversial stance. Someone should look into that Domino's. Is that common practice in England? Probably, but it shouldn't be. Pizza's pizza, friends across the pond. Okay, you want ice cream? You get ice cream somewhere else. You know why? Because if you get it from the pizza place, a guy might rub it on his crotch. Is that what you want? Is that what our English listeners want? Tell me. Email me. Adorablepodcast at gmail.com. Tell me about this crotch ice cream situation. Is this common? Is this a common way to get back at people in England? Rubbing things on their crotch? Like if I'm really mad about a contract I have to sign, do I rub it on my crotch first when, when no one's looking? Hopefully no one's looking. But I, I kind of I want to interview the guy who did it and, and, and ask him why. Why would he do that? Why why not even I mean I get he maybe I I wonder if he knew the people I would hope so like or not I don't know and then he's just randomly rubbing ice cream on his crotch but then we could look for the guy with the ice cream on his crotch cuz even though he's rubbing it while still in the pint if you're if you're routinely rubbing ice maybe it's his fetish and I bet all his pants have like a weird like stain that came from ice cream but then you're like you see the stain and you're like that couldn't have come from ice cream cuz it's on his crotch but anyway if he's out there, I'd love to talk to him. Ice cream crotch is, is the colloquialism for him. All right, we're going to check out some other news stories. Let's see what else we got here. Fire up the old news machine. Hope you're enjoying this week's podcast. I know we're enjoying it. Going to have a uh, new Podtober this week and, and probably probably the next couple of days. I wonder where we'll go. I wonder where Frank and Beans will take us. I love doing Podtober. Um, it's just fun. It's fun to try to help people. The news story, another important one, moving away from the ice cream crotch. Nancy Pelosi talking about uh, activating the 25th Amendment against President Trump, which, which states that, you know, it, it gives a plan for if a president can not physically or, or mentally or, or emotionally, if they're suffering from some disease or something. Gives a plan to, to you know, put someone else in power, basically. And it's hard to imagine that she's so, t- well, she, I guess she's not tone deaf because her supporters support this. They'll support anything she does to get him out of office. But, I mean, how do we not see? I mean, they've tried everything on this guy. Everything. Whether it would work or not. I mean, they knew the impeachment wouldn't work. They know... They know, they know this 25th Amendment thing won't work. And it looks just terrible. If they did, if they took the president out like this, which they won't, it's not, it's not going to happen, I don't think. But if they took him out like this, I mean, I think a lot of moderate people are, would, would, would go to the side, even the suggestion that she's making it, are going to turn some moderate people off. But if they actually did it, even more moderate people would be like, you can't just take out a president because you don't like him. You were seen ripping up his, his agenda at the State of the Union. You were you, you tried to get him impeached for something you knew he wouldn't get impeached for. Well, he was impeached, but something you knew he wouldn't be removed for. You just wanted... I mean, you're just throwing everything at the wall. And people are going to see that people aren't stupid. We They really aren't. Sometimes they act that way, but they really aren't. And when they have time to reflect and, and think of what's going on, they're going to see, wow... You know, this is unprecedented, you know, constitutional ignorance. And, and 
just weaponizing the Constitution against someone or trying to. And it doesn't set a good precedent. All this stuff, that, that's a real effect because it's not going to get him out of office. It probably won't stop his reelection. But it sets a precedent now where one side of the government, one, 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 brand, one um, party can, can use things just to get their opponent out of office officially. We, we all, I mean, everyone always talks about, you know, working together and Biden talks about working together, but then his party is dividing through actions like this and there's no denying it. I don't get political, but this is what's happening. I do give the news. I do inform. I won't give you my opinion. I'm telling you what's going on here. You, uh, you want to talk about it at Adorable Podcast on Twitter. AOL keyword, Adorable Podcast. So I can't imagine that this is a good idea or, or will be an effective idea. And if it is, we're in trouble, I think. I mean, just thing after thing after thing saying that he didn't win the election, saying that we should abolish the Electoral College, still still going on on that. Uh, the, the, the adult film star that he had an affair with, trying to get him on that when there was nothing to get him on. He did have an affair with her, but there's nothing that could get him removed from office. Uh, what else was there? There was the impeachment. There was the Russian investigation. Years, years, we were all, all told, oh, this Russian investigation is going to get him. Oh, it's going to get him. Never did. But then they say, oh, he's guilty of obstruction. Oh, oh, how, how can you prove that? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Now it's, then it was the Ukraine thing and the impeachment, and now it's the 25th Amendment. It's just, it's not going to work, Nance. It's not going to work. Hey, look at this. We got a, we got a visitor here at the Adorable Boy Compound. Low Pitch Tim. Low Pitch Tim. This is our first uh, time seeing you since the podcast duel. How you doing? I'm okay. Disappointed about how the duel went. Well, yeah, we we decided we don't want to talk about that much anymore. Um, we should, never should have had it. You never should have been involved in it, especially after you know you suffered your injury. It was just it was just a bad time all around. I would have won if it wasn't for you interfering. Okay, watch that tone. Um, listen, we we just don't want to talk about it, so let's just call it off. What you got any opinions on the news? Trump and the 25th Amendment or the vice presidential debate or ice cream crotch, British ice cream crotch, anything. Let's give us your opinion. I had him right where I wanted him. He's been calling me the whole time, gloating about how he won. That's your fault, bud. Listen, you had a broken, you, you couldn't do it. You never should have been in any way. You're overweight. The guy was... The guy was lean and, and he was focused. He was he was going to murder you. I was going to witness a murder and I stopped it. No, I was going to win. And you're just jealous. And you just wanted a, a big thing for your show. I know how it goes. So you think I wanted it to turn out like that? You think I wanted a, over, a, a guy who's 100 pounds overweight and a severe injury? You think I wanted everyone out there on that yacht to get that for a main event? We hyped the thing for weeks. And you come, and you can't even perform, and I save your life. They wanted you to die. They wanted to see a murder. They had a bloodlust on that yacht that day. I saved you. All right, listen, you got me so worked up, I, I lost control. Listen, I'm going to explain what happened to our listeners, and then maybe they can decide, the ones who, who don't know. So we, uh, I had Joe the Camel Boy and Lopich Timmon, and they, from the old show, we had them on all the time on the radio, and they got into a fight over peanut butter. 
Yeah, peanut butter, right, Tim? Yeah. And they wanted to settle in a duel. I didn't set up the duel. I didn't give the idea for the duel, but I thought, hey, we could broadcast that, which was a big mistake, it turns out. So we get this yacht. We go to international waters. We got a crowd. It's a big thing, you know, whatever. And Tim shows up uh, the the day of with with a severely injured hand. And and he's out of shape. And 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 Joe the Camel Boy was in great shape. He was focused. He had he had a whole he had a Sherpa, I think, a Sherpa to help him. I mean, I don't know how that works, but I I guess the Sherpa knew how to duel. So we get there. And it's about to go down. You know, I'm, I'm having reservations about it the whole time we're broadcasting. And it's about to go down, and I just can't take it. So I run down. I leave, I leave the broadcasting duties to my, my good friend, Randy the Rocket Rosenthal. I run down, and I, I, I save, uh, save uh, low-pitched Tim. And our producer, Frank, I use Frank and Beans to get, and he gets shot and whatever. He's fine. Don't worry about him. But it's just a big disaster. And now, for some reason, Lopez Jim is on here blaming me for it all. It's your fault. I could have beaten him. No, you couldn't have, Tim. No, you couldn't have. You were going to die and I saved you. Okay? And if you won't realize this, then I don't know if I'm going to allow you to be on the show anymore. Okay? Because you're showing me a lack of loyalty, a lack of, a lack of trust in me, and I can't have that on the Adorable Boy podcast. No. No. I, I'm sorry. Please, I need the show. I need it. No, you know, Tim, being on the show is a privilege, and maybe you know you're, you're not deserving of that anymore. I mean, I didn't blame you. I didn't. I could have shunned you. I could have not let you in the building for what happened at that duel. It was an embarrassment to me. The duel never should have happened. I blame you for that. So you know what? You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask you to leave because I wanted you to comment on the news, and you wouldn't do that. And now you know this whole thing. So just yeah, Frank and Beans, get him out of here, please. No, please, bud. Whoa, 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 please. Please, bud, please. Wow, that was uncomfortable. Uh, maybe we should, we're going to end the show here. Uh, I think we got all the news done. That little rant from uh, Low Pitch Tim. Also, before I forget, want to uh, give a shout-out. Not a shout-out. I want to send my, my respects and my love to the family of Eddie Van Halen, who passed away this week. So, from what I understand, he's a great guitar player. I don't technically no guitar very well so but i like some of his songs and as always when someone dies you would think that they were you know the savior of humanity because people on social media posting about how much they love him and how much they miss him and respect him but i don't know but yes but he deserves uh, like anyone deserves some respect and a shout out on the adorable boy podcast and this isn't, isn't at all to get me attention okay I've never met Eddie Van Halen. He has no idea I ever existed. But, you know, I'm sure that me putting my good thoughts on in cyberspace, on the podcast, and, and on the social media, that uh, that's for him. It's definitely not for me, okay? So just know that. I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Adorable Boy Podcast. Podtober, coming out again soon. Um... Hope you enjoy it. You can catch us if you want to talk to us during the week at Adorable Podcast. Uh, adorablepodcast at gmail.com is our email. At Adorable Podcast is Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, the Adorable Boy Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week.